Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Greetings, everyone. My name is Dave Dack, and I'm the pastor of Lemoore Presbyterian Church here in the central San Joaquin Valley of California. Lemoore is a small city that most people wouldn't know about, although we are home to the largest air station of the United States Navy west of the Mississippi River, the largest mozzarella cheese factory in the entire world, and the Kelly Slater Wave Pool, which if you're into professional surfing, you'll know what that is, and if you're not, well, then you don't care. James Ellis is a good friend of mine going back oh, 10 or 11 years or so, when our academic careers briefly overlapped at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. And of course, when James asked if I would host God's Word with you, I was honored to say yes. It's truly a privilege to be with you, and even though it's just through a screen, I truly believe that God's Spirit connects us. The scripture today is Esther chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Later, when King Xerxes' fury had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, Let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Hegai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, named Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. There's an old joke about two brothers who were always getting into trouble around town. Anytime there was mischief, it was a good bet these two boys were involved. Their parents didn't know what to do, but they heard that a pastor in town had a reputation for successfully bringing unruly youngsters into line. So the parents called the pastor, and he agreed to meet with the older brother first. When the older brother showed up for the meeting, the pastor asked him, Where is God? The boy went pale and froze in his seat, so the pastor repeated, Where is God? At that, the boy ran out of the room and all the way back home, and when he got into his room and shut the door, his younger brother asked him what had happened. And the older brother said, oh, we're in big trouble this time. 
God is missing and they think we did it. <laughs> the book of Esther is famous for the fact that God is missing. God's name is never mentioned throughout the story. Now, it's easy enough for us to say, well, obviously God is involved in orchestrating the events of the story, but we are left to speculate about how exactly God involves himself. Sometimes the Bible gives us a behind-the-scenes look at what God is doing, but not here. Here in the story of Esther, we are left to wonder, how is God involved when it seems like God is missing? You don't have to be a Christian very long before you find yourself asking that question. It often seems like God is missing from world events. Whether it's the childish anger of King Xerxes after being snubbed by his wife, or the angry arguments of politicians who claim that only they can save our country, or the scenes of desperate Afghan families clinging to military aircraft on the tarmac, or another earthquake in Haiti, or wildfires that continue to ravage Western North America, or a global pandemic that doesn't care what anyone believes. Where is God in these events? For that matter, where is God when you ask him to guide your career choices? Where is God when your relationships don't go the way that you plan? Where is God when, like Esther, your future is being determined more by the whims of others than by your own wishes? And to make matters worse, we often blame ourselves for God's absence and bury ourselves in unnecessary guilt. When God is missing, we think we did it. But as we read through the historical events in the book of Esther, which are at first dominated by King Xerxes as he follows his own advice and does whatever he wants, we are interrupted by another set of historical events. We're told there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew. And we learn about Mordecai, a Jewish man who was part of the people of God in Israel before they were conquered by Babylon and before Babylon was in turn conquered by Persia. In the middle of a secular city, in the midst of secular history, there was a remnant of God's people. And that is our key to finding God when God is missing. Because wherever you find God's people, you find God's promises. In Jeremiah 11, God famously promised the young prophet that he would never leave him or forsake him, even during his exile in Babylon. The great prophets of Scripture are littered with God's promises to keep a remnant of his people and to keep the covenant promises he made to David so long before. No matter how angry God was or how bad things got, God always kept his promises to his people. Wherever you find God's people, you find God's promises. In other words, God's promises hold through history. They endure in exile and they are embedded in world events. God's people are in Afghanistan and Haiti and the wildfires and the pandemic 
and God's promises are holding fast. No matter how bad things get, God will keep his promises. God will keep his promise to give eternal life to all who believe in Jesus. Jesus will keep his promise to be with us wherever two or three are gathered. Jesus will keep his promise to be strong when we are weak and to remain victorious over death when we are not. Jesus will keep his promises to you regardless of what happens to your health or your relationships or your plans for the future. God's promises are bedrock and everything else is shifting sand. In 1870, life was going pretty well for a man named Horatio Spafford. He was a senior partner in a large and thriving Chicago law firm and he had poured his assets into Chicago real estate. Within a few months, Spafford and his wife, Anna, were devastated when their four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Then Chicago was engulfed by the Great Fire of 1871, and Spafford watched as most of his properties were incinerated. Seeing Anna's spirits falter over the next two years, Spafford suggested that the family sail to Europe for some time away. He himself was delayed because of a business concern, so he put Anna and their four daughters, ages 2 to 11, aboard a steamship named the Ville du Havre and promised to join them later. But about 2 a.m. on November 22, 1873, about halfway across the Atlantic, the ship collided with an iron freighter and broke in two. The ship sank in less than 12 minutes. Only 81 of its 307 passengers and crew survived. The only Spafford rescued was an unconscious Anna. Her four daughters were gone. She telegraphed Horatio from Wales and said, Saved alone, what shall I do? A devastated Spafford raced to the coast and boarded a ship bound for England. During the voyage, the captain summoned him and indicated that a careful reckoning has been made, and I believe we are now passing the place where your family's ship was wrecked. The water is three miles deep. Spafford stood at the rail for a while, and then he went back into his cabin where he wrote the words to one of the most cherished hymns in the English language. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. God's promises hold fast for God's people no matter what. And like Horatio Spafford, when you find God's promises, you also find God's presence. We're told that Mordecai had taken Esther as his own daughter after her parents died. Esther was adopted by the people of God and remained solidly within God's promises. God was present to Esther through his promises to his people. God is present through his promises. When we are orphaned by history, God adopts us into his story. When everything else in the story of your life seems to be going wrong, God weaves the story of your life into the story of his saving love. 
God keeps you close by keeping his promises. Even right now, God is keeping his promise to lead all of creation, including you, to its final goal in his everlasting kingdom. That's how God is involved. Even when you don't see it, even when God remains hidden behind the scenes, God is present through his promises. I once heard about a Native American coming-of-age ceremony for young boys. After a big community celebration, the boy would be blindfolded and taken into the wilderness by his father and some of the elders. Then they would leave him there overnight. If he kept the blindfold on and survived the night, he would be a man. Typically, the boy would be unable to sleep as he imagined all the wild animals that were likely to come and make a meal of him in his defenseless state. But eventually, morning would come, and the boy would remove his blindfold and discover his own father sitting with him silently nearby. His father had been there all night long. The boy just couldn't see him. When it seems like God is missing from world events or even from the events of your own life, remember that God's promises still hold. And in God's promises, you will find God's presence. For God is with you on your right and on your left, Christ before you, Christ behind you, Christ above you, Christ beneath you, and Christ within you, the hope of glory. Abide in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel. Until next time, much love.